you're using your own Bible, you turn with me to Joshua chapter 7. We'll be reading the entire chapter, beginning in verse 1. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up there and from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about thirty-six of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Cherubim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. And he and the elders of Israel, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? to give us into the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? And the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant, and I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people, and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, There are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes, and the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans, and the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households, and the household that the Lord takes shall come near by man by man. And he who has taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken. 
And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clan of the Zerahites was taken. And he brought near the clan of the Zerahites, man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near his household, man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and give praise to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. And they took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the people of Israel. And they laid them down before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold and his sons and daughters and his oxen and donkeys and sheep and tent and all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Acre. And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remain to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Acre. Let's pray to the Lord. Oh, Lord God, we confess that we cannot stand before you for the sake of our own sinful hearts. But we praise you that you have looked upon us with mercy, with pity, that you have provided a way of salvation. Lord, that by your Son we may know you. We may be called sons and daughters. And so, Lord, with the knowledge of your gospel, please open our eyes and ears to hear the truth of your word, the truth that lasts forever. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Tonight we are going to walk through this passage kind of chronologically. It's a long passage to read, and so we're going to go over the story step by step. And then we're going to compare Achan with Adam and Eve, and then we're going to see how the gospel of Jesus Christ is revealed, and the truth of it is revealed from this account. So, firstly, Israel has just defeated Jericho, a resounding victory. There is no question God is with them. Yet in their victory, they're supposed to take all of the things of Jericho and they're supposed to devote them to destruction. That's what God had commanded them to do. He says, everything 
everything in this city is devoted to destruction, needs to be burned with fire. The metal things, of course, would go into the temple, and those would be devoted to the Lord. But everything is devoted to the Lord. But Achan, after they have taken the city, he stumbles upon this beautiful cloak, this hoard of silver and gold. He sees it, he covets it in his heart, and he takes it. He takes it back to his tent and he buries it under the earth within his tent. Having known and heard the word of the Lord that if anybody takes what is devoted from this place, from Jericho, they would make Israel a thing for destruction. It was clear God said what he would do. And so by taking it, Achan puts all of Israel in danger. His sin causes this to happen to them. But yet, this is completely unbeknownst to Israel, unbeknownst to Joshua. Nobody knows what has happened. They are confident. They are on a roll. Look what has happened in Jericho. We're going to go up to the next place. Aye. And they send, Joshua sends spies out to the next place, and they say, this one is going to be a cakewalk in comparison. This is nothing. They're small. Don't make everybody go up there. Just send a couple thousand people. There's, they're tiny. They're weak. That's all that we need. And so Joshua sends the larger of the two numbers. They said two or 3,000. Joshua sends 3,000 men to go take them. And immediately, the men of Ai are destroying them. 36 men die, and they run away in fear. What has happened? Why Why are we losing this battle? Why did so many of our men just instantly die at the face of this? What is going on? And the, the text describes it. It says that that their heart, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. That's the same description that was earlier used to describe the Canaanites. The people of Israel now being devoted to destruction because they have taken the forbidden things have become just like the Canaanites with their hearts melting away as water. But Israel and Joshua have no idea what is going on. They are confused and distraught because God has promised them great things. He has promised them victory. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. No one will stand before you in battle. It is clear this is the promise of God. And so Joshua, he rips his clothes. He pours dust on his head and puts his face to the ground. And he cries out to God, why, God, why would you do this? Why would you do this? Did you not promise these things? Why did you take us here? Of course he is confused. Of course he is distraught. But we still, we still hear uh, almost scary boldness in his voice and in, in, uh, indicting the Lord. Almost like Habakkuk, if you were part of the prayer meeting on Wednesday. This bold cry to the Lord. And also the appeal, what will you do for your great name? Defend your name, Lord. You promised these things. Your name is at stake. But Joshua didn't know the reason. And the Lord reveals it to him. Just like he reveals things to Moses audibly. He spoke to him. He was his prophet. And the Lord 
rebukes him. He says, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? This, I'm, not, I'm, not being, I'm not the wrong one here. Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I have commanded them. And he reveals to him the reason why these things are happening. They need to remove those devoted goods, the forbidden fruit, so to speak, that they have taken. And he gives them a, gives them a plan. This is how you will do it. You will have everybody line up, tribe by tribe, all 12 tribes, and then you will have them arrange themselves clan by clan, family by family, and then they will cast lots. That's uh, a form of um, chance, uh, chance taking almost, as you would say. Uh, they don't say exactly how they cast lots, but we would equate it to flipping a coin or drawing straws or rolling a die. And God told Joshua to do this in this way. And in this way, the Lord would designate which tribe it was, which clan it was, which family it was. And he would reveal to Joshua this way. And this was a way that Israel did things in obedience to the Lord. We see this dozens of time in the, times in the Old Testament. And we even see references in the New Testament. This is how the 12th apostle was chosen after Judas killed himself. In Acts chapter 1, they have two men who are qualified for the position, but in prayer to the Lord, they cast lots, and it goes to Matthias. Matthias is the one who would be the twelfth apostle. And so this is the way that Joshua, in obedience to the Lord, narrows it down to Judah. Okay, all of Judah comes forth by clans, and they narrows it down to the clan of the Zerahites, narrows it down to the family of Zabdi, until finally he gets down to Achan himself. And he says, give glory to God and do not lie. That phrase is used several times as well in the Old Testament, and it really means speak the truth. Tell the truth. Do not, do not hide it. And Achan confesses here. But it's interesting to note that although he confesses right now after everything, after being narrowed down by tribe, clan, household to the person, he didn't bring it forward when 36 of his brothers died because of what he had done. That Israel failed in their, was failing in their conquest, he kept his mouth shut having known that God would devote them to destruction. He didn't bring it forward. He didn't confess. He only confessed when it was brought out and he was pulled out from all of these people. When it was shoved into his face. And so he says, yes, this is what I did. This is what I took. This is where I hid it. And the Lord had commanded them that that man... And all that he had would be devoted to destruction. His tent, his cattle, everything he possessed is going to be stoned with stones and burned with fire. And so that is what Israel does. 
They take it all. They, they recover those things, not just the things devoted to destruction from Jericho, but everything from his tent is to go be stoned and burned. Joshua's words to him at the end, he says, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And we see that he is left behind, completely covered in a mountain of stones that remains there until even this account is written. And the place that they did it is called the Valley of Acre, which means the Valley of Trouble, referencing what Joshua is speaking of. Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord now brings trouble on you. This is the penalty of sin. We see the effect of sin, the result of sin, and when Achan took from that, death spread, failure spread, the effects of sin are terrible. The penalty, though severe, you may look at this and think it is very severe. It is not severe compared to the effects of sin. There are a lot of parallels in Achan's story to the account of the fall of man with Adam and Eve in the garden. And I don't mean to compare these as though they are mere allegories. Rather, these are real historical events that corroborate our estate before God. They are real historical events that are corroborating our estate before God. The three words that describe Eve's sin come in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. God had specifically stated beforehand, Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, lest you die. Very explicit. Very much like the command he gave to Israel. Do not take anything from here, or you will die. This is devoted to destruction. You cannot have it. You cannot take it. This tree is not for you to eat. Do not take it. Do not eat it, or you will die. And this is what we read, those three words. She saw it was to be desired, and she took it. Achan describes his own sin this way in verse 21. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 500 shekels, I coveted them and took them. That word coveted is the same word as to be desired, the same root word. Eve saw, coveted, and took and brought death for an Adam. Achan saw, coveted, and took, brought death to himself and his household. James chapter 1 also references this pattern. In defending God, saying, God does not tempt us, he says, but rather each person is tempted when he is lured, when he sees, 
and is enticed by his own desire, he covets. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, he takes. And when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. That is the ultimate end of sin, right? The, the telos, the, what sin leads to. The end of sin is death. We do not just see this parallel with Eve, but also with Adam. Because in Adam, we see in Romans chapter 5 that one man sinned and many are condemned. Adam, our federal head, who when he took that fruit and ate it, brought death into this world. We, his children, all his children, inherit that sin nature in us. And we ourselves sin and are condemned. Romans 5 summarizes this very explicitly. Achan's, Achan was one man, and his sin caused all of Israel to suffer the consequences of his sin. The children of Achan, even, are stoned and burned by the people of Israel. His probably causes you to pause to say, really? How can this be justice? Why would this happen? There is admittedly some ambiguity in this text, but the best reading of the te text is that the people of Israel stoned and burned his children with him. I'll just read this starting in verse 24. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and cloak and the bar of gold and his sons and daughters and his oxen and donkey and sheep and tent and all that he had and they brought them up to the valley of Acre. And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And Israel stoned him with stones. And this next sentence they burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And so there may be some ambiguity that the text is not referring to the children, but it does not exclude them. They are part of what is gathered up, and they are not excluded from what has been stoned and burned. This is not technically what God commanded he said that he and his possessions should be destroyed, not his family. Yet God honored their judgment, and Israel is restored. And we see in this the image of the power and corruption of sin, because in one man, Adam, sinned. The sin spread to his children, and now we all have death. The same is true for Achan. The commentator David Jackman says, the details are horrifying to us on a purely human level, but they should be felt much more acutely as a spiritual warning. We dare not make God in our own image or downplay his holiness. 
is very true. We need to see the sinfulness of sin, to see the holiness of God. That immense evil of sin, that immense holiness of God are necessary for us to truly understand the immense love of God in Christ. In Achan's story, one man is punished and many are set free from the judgment of the Lord. In Achan's case, he was a sinful man He was culpable. He was the one who brought the transgression. Yet Christ does so in a different way. He does so in a better way. In this story, if we were going to try to figure out, well, who am I? Who is Christ? We are the Achan of this story. We are the ones with sin in our hearts and in our lives. We are the ones buried beneath its load. Our sin crushes us like those stones that bury his body. Without salvation, we are destined for the flame, just as Achan, his possessions, and his children. We have brought trouble upon ourselves by what we have done. Yet there is hope. The prophet Hosea says in chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, just uh, a little bit of context. The Lord has been been speaking and saying how Israel has been unfaithful, how they have gone away from him, how their judgment and exile is just. But he follows this up with a promise of hope in verses 14 and 15. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, that is Israel, and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Acre a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the day of her youth as at the time when she came out of the land of Israel. That valley of Acre is a reference here, to this place. That valley of Acre was was a place of Israel's shame. It was a monument to the penalty of sin, being crushed by the weight of stones, being burned with fire. But it says he would make the valley of Acre a door of hope. He has opened a door of hope. This is the one who proclaimed in John 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The valley is a place for punishment and shame and Christ took our punishment, he took our shame upon himself on the cross, our own valley of Achor. There was yesterday um, a big competition in 
Nebraska. It was kind of a silly thing, but somebody organized a competition of Josh's. And he says, okay, all Josh's meet here at these coordinates. It's a, it's a pasture in Nebraska, and we're going to fight. And the winner gets to keep the name Josh, and everybody else has to pick something else. And it, it was a, a silly thing. They ended up being hundreds of Joshes there. They fought with pool, pool noodles and this, that, and the other. And they ended up awarding the, a five-year-old little Josh. And it was and a you know, fun, adorable event. And I, I think I pointed out in an earlier message that the name Jesus is Yeshua. It is Joshua. We call him Jesus because that is the Greek rendering of the name. We just didn't put it back out. So he is also a Joshua. And right now we get to look at a comparison between one Joshua and another. Joshua, the great prophet who succeeded Moses, and the Joshua who is the Lord and Savior of all. Christ is clearly the better Joshua. He is the true prophet, the true king, and the true priest over us all. He knows your sin more thoroughly than you do. They are not hidden from him. Yet he does not ask, why did you bring trouble? Nor does he proclaim, the Lord brings trouble on you today. That was his right as king. But he set it aside out of love. He tenderly says instead, I know you have brought immense trouble on yourself so that you should be crushed beneath it, consumed by its flames, but I, the Lord, bring your trouble upon myself. For those who trust in Christ, every weight of sin is placed on the cross, on Christ himself. No stone will fly for you in the name of divine judgment. You will not be crushed beneath the weight of your sin. You will not be burned by the flames of hell. Because Christ has taken the burden upon himself in your place. The stones that entombed Achan remained long after his day. They were a monument of shame. A testament to the garden where mankind was... A testament to a time when Mankind was led into paradise, but rather chose sin instead, just as in the garden. But the stone that entombed our Lord only stayed for three short days. A testament to the fact that though he was crushed for our iniquity, he did not remain crushed. Our Lord lives. And he is returning to bring us into that promised land where sin and death 
are no more. Where he brings the true end of sin, not the telos, not the goal where end sin end will bring you. He brings the end to sin in that he destroys it. He eliminates it from this world. He will bring us into that garden paradise. He will bring us into that promised land. Because he is the Lord and he will do it by his power, by his grace, through Christ alone. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord, we thank you and are in awe of your great grace to us. We do not claim any virtue, any ability to stand before you. Lord, we know that we ought to be crushed beneath the weight of our sin. And so, Lord, we lift your name up all the higher because you have been gracious to us, you have been kind to us, you have been generous with us. And so, Lord, fill our hearts with worship for you today and every day. Give us hearts of grace and love, knowing what Christ has done for us, that we may see your holiness and rejoice, that we may see our sin and confess before it is too late that we may bring your news, your generosity to others. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.